Hi, I'm Dr. Divina Lopez, a board-certified pediatrician with over 10 years of experience in pediatrics, and you are listening to Dancing into Parenthood. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Dancing into Parenthood with Dr. Divina Lopez. And we have Lola here today, too. Uh, <laughs> I have a super special guest that I am so excited to introduce you to. I met her through Dr. Una's um, Expo for Entree MD, and immediately when I first started hearing her talk, I knew she was someone that I needed to connect with. Her story just touched my heart because as a mother and as a physician, I felt like we had so much in common. And I knew that her heart was in the right place when she spoke about how she had to go through hoops and hurdles just to get the help that her daughter needed. So I wanted to invite her on for the podcast because I think there are so many similar stories like this where as moms, we have these feelings, we have these ideas that something may be going on with our children, right? It's our intuition as a mother <laughs> that we sometimes don't pay attention to, or we ignore it, or because other people tell us something, maybe we don't believe it. Um, and so I always tell parents, this is so important, to advocate for your children, okay? I don't care if I'm a pediatrician and you come to the office and you think that it's silly to ask me something when you have this inkling about your child and you just want to ask this question, please don't disregard those feelings. Please go ahead, bring it up. I'm always more than happy to answer all your questions and I always let parents know that. But it is so important to advocate for your children and not to feel silly about it never feel like you shouldn't ask a medical practitioner um, a question or if you feel like whoever you are speaking to maybe is not giving you the best information or not paying attention to the things that you're asking to, then go ahead and find someone who would, okay? So I am so happy to introduce you to Dr. Evka, she is an amazing family practitioner right here in New Jersey. So that was another thing that we had in common because you're right in New Jersey. She actually lives about half an hour away from me. So that just like blew my mind too. Cause I'm like, what? We're that close. I cannot believe it. Uh, so it just happened like that. Like we were just meant to be friends. That's what I, I really truly believe. <laughs> and, um, she's just an amazing oh person. She has a beautiful soul. And so I, I needed you all to meet her because she is just a really loving mother and a very loving physician and her heart is in the right place. So thank you so much, Dr. Evka, for coming on. Um, thank you so much for, you know, just giving me some of your time because I know you're a busy mama. You got a lot of things going on over there, right? <laughs> Well, so, well, so do you, and I am just 
so incredibly honored to have met you, quite honestly, because so many of our stories are, are so similar. And you're someone who gets it. You have this, you're a pediatrician, but you mm -hmm. have this incredible heart who you just want to be out there and you want to be helping your families and you're touching so many lives through what you do. You're providing yourself as this incredible role model for other, ch for children you. your age, like <laughs> younger. And I, I, honestly think that you're doing some really really good work in the world so i am just so honored to to know you so the feeling is so so mutual so thank you're you very so sweet. much you are just so sweet like you really have a pure soul really i love that um but you know what i i i so prior to recording the podcast right now we just had an amazing conversation i should have hit play <laughs> I mean, I should have hit record um, back then because we were really like vibing and talking about our children and what we've gone through and, and how much, um, you know, how much as mothers we've actually done just to make sure that our children are happy and healthy and that we get the support that they need in their lives um, to grow and to just be really amazing human beings. And that's always my focus, right? Um, I love parents because I know that parents just have all this unconditional love for their children and we'll do anything for our children. And I remember on the, um, on the Entree Expo that you were saying how you moved mountains for your daughter, right? You would move Absolutely. mountains for your children. That's what we do as parents. And that's why parents are like my favorite people second to children, because children really are my favorite, favorite people in the whole wide world. Um, yes. I, you know, they're, they're really special. You're a pediatrician, of course. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Believe Absolutely. it or not, I did not like kids prior to becoming a pediatrician. Believe that or not. It's a crazy story. That's a whole nother story I can tell. Um, but they, I can't wait to hear from you one day. Seriously, I can't wait to hear. They are just, you know. Oh, amazing human beings right so um yeah, yeah so I, I wanted I, I go ahead I, I wanted to yeah I wanted to talk a little bit about that story about um moving mountains for my child and yeah. just like you like you said you didn't quite like children the same way until you became a pediatrician and such an important pediatrician mm -hmm. um I didn't know the love that a parent could have towards a child until my child was born. So prior to my child being born, I would have described myself as a workaholic. Mm. I worked three <laughs> different jobs. Um, so I saw people in a family medicine office up four or five days a week on the weekends. I mm -hmm. helped to run an urgent care center mm -hmm. and I did house calls for people in the community. And part of it for me was just I love being a physician. I, yes. I, my family came here. We were immigrants from Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. um, we, we came here. We didn't have anything. And my family always told me to study hard and to work hard. And that eventually um, we would not be in a place where we would be in poverty. Mm -hmm. um, and where, where I could make a difference. And I really yes. wanted to make that difference in other people's lives. Yes. And so I really enjoyed working. I loved being a doctor, but my daughter was born and I it was such a joyous, joyous time in my life. I really wanted my baby to be born like so badly. Yes, it was probably one of the 
best years of my life because yes. my baby was born, but it was also one of the being one of the hardest years. And part of the reason that it became one of the hardest years is because here I am, I just gave birth to this incredibly amazing, super loving baby. And my baby won't feed. My baby arched her back when it was time to feed from the breast or the bottle. She had a difficulty with sucking, but no one told us that there was a tongue tie because the hospital had a policy not to mention tongue ties to anybody. Oh, wow. She would, yeah, it was, it was yeah, yeah, it was, it was the way it was. I would tell like the lactation consultants who were seeing me and seeing it, the difficulty I was having with my baby that there was a tongue tie and they would just be quiet. And then eventually I was like, no, I spoke to the head doctor. I was like, I'm a physician. I finally like, cause you never give out your physician card. You no, don't. never. But, like, I'm a physician. <laughs> You're like, don't mention it. Like I don't mention it. I know. And I then don't. I'm a physician. I know that this is a tongue tie and this is, this is making the situation worse, right. but I don't think it was, it was the only thing that was making the situation bad. I think there was more to it. Mm -hmm. um, my daughter would scream and scream and scream. Feeding was just not something that she wanted to yeah. do at all. And here I am as the mom and my first I have two thoughts in my head. The first thought is, oh gosh, this amazing, beautiful baby. She's my baby. And I love her so much. That mm -hmm. feeling of love was instinctual. Yes. And then yes. the second thought was, uh-oh, my child won't feed. My child would not want the breast or a bottle in her mouth. She would move away from it, scream and scream and scream. And for me, feeding equaled living. If my child would not feed, would my child be alive? And what do I do about this? Right. So I went from specialist to specialist trying to figure this out because my child dropped in percentiles on the weight curve. And we had tried some... Um, proton pump inhibitors, thinking that maybe this was reflux, but the right. proton pump inhibitors were not yes. doing too much. Right. And um, it, feeding was a chore for an hour, many, many, many times a day. I was yeah. there feeding my child. Um, so we went to specialists, and seeing specialists takes a while because mm -hmm. you're just just because you're a doctor doesn't mean that you're going to. But you get in sooner. Faster. Yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> Everyone thinks you have like some sort of in, and I'm like, no. <laughs> I know. There's no in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's just there's just uh, waving just like everybody just else. Just like everybody else. So yeah. Yeah, so good specialists. We saw so many of them. Why is my child not feeding? What's going on? It got to the point where they were talking about a feeding tube. Mm -hmm. And then uh, because of how serious it was. And then um, my child decided to only dream feed. So I don't know if you're familiar with dream feeding, but basically she would put herself in stage one sleep. Each and every time she fed. Oh, wow. And it, 
it's this this period of time between staying awake and staying asleep. It's that mm -hmm. moment in time where you're barely asleep and you're barely, barely awake. awake. Yes. So if there's something medical that's bothering you about the feeding, or if there's something that is really just stressing you out, it becomes less of an issue because you've dulled yourself in that stage one sleep. And that's how she would do her bottles many many times a day um so we went to the specialist the specialists were like uh i've never seen this one before good mm -hmm. good, good luck with it and it was so so hard and very stressful because i just wanted answers yeah. very stressful because mm -hmm. i just wanted answers so um some of those answers came from support groups it's incredible when you are in a situation where you are feeling like the medical people have done the best they can, but there's still so much to know and you want to know how much, how to move forward, you go to the parental support groups and you introduce yourself as who you are, which is a yes. parent. Yes. And you ask for help. And yes. like, what did you do? What is it that helped? Um, dream feeding was pretty interesting because there was nothing about it in the literature. <laughs> there, yes. like, there, was, there was very little about literature. There was no support groups about it. Wow. So then I actually start, started a support group for mm -hmm. families who go into the same thing because I thought, you know, I must not be the only person. Yeah, you can't possibly be the only parent like this, right? You going through all of this. And you, you needed to find no. that, that community and make sure that other people had a community to join, right? Who were feeling the yeah. same stress about their child. Yeah. Yeah. And so I went throughout the world. I like figured out wow. languages to be able to <laughs> like, Somebody it. has the answer somewhere. Yes, there yes. There has to be somewhere in the world. There has yeah. to be other people. So families are going through this. So, so I just found them online with these, these crazy internet searches. And then I brought us all together. Wonderful. Talk about it. Because she's amazing. You on. see what she does? She literally did move mountains. Yes. <laughs> like, language I didn't know before. Okay, now I know because I need to figure it figure this out. And yeah. you know, there's a woman in Greece and we she speaks Greek, speak English. She and I have the same problem with our child or the same concern, and we just wound up talking about it. Because it was it was so so important, so I yes. wound up getting about hundred people in, into the group, and that was really helpful for us. Because all of a sudden we had each other. Mm -hmm. When you are spending hours upon hours feeding your child, there goes your job, yes. there goes your social life, there goes everything. Everything because here you are feeding your child. Yeah, yeah. you're just feeding. Yeah, and. And so at least in this group, we had each other and we had each other to talk to. But the, the, the hard thing was now you have other families who are going through the same thing. You become almost like a family to each other. Yes. But you're still all asking the same questions. Yeah. Why? You still don't why? Have the answers. Why? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. still don't have the answers. Like, why? Why is this happening? And so for me as a physician, I found myself in a pretty lucky place that I, I, I feel 
and it's hard for the families who don't don't have that. And that is that I had a medical background. I had a research background. So I said, let me go to the literature. Yeah. Let me figure out where I can help, like what's going to help my child. Why is the feeding so difficult? Mm-hmm. So I remember going to the medical schools and just going through all the research articles about feeding in children and young children. Yes. And just like just reading and reading and reading and reading and just making lots of copies. But like lucky me because I have that background. And when and you, you understand it, research articles, yeah. yeah, you have yeah. like, yeah. I remember in medical school, it's like learning a new language. Yes. When you first are exposed to those words that they use. It's yes, like a yeah. whole new language. Like, what is it's like this? if someone told me about my car, right? I'd be like, right, what? right. Carbonator, what? Like, what so, are you talking about? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I wound up doing a lot of reading. And, was, and as I did reading, I started to put some things together. Mm-hmm. One of those things I put together and that I shared with the people in my group is that we needed feeding therapy for our children. So I started doing feeding therapy with my child. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what kind of feeding therapy would help the most. There were so many different options. Right. And so we wound up doing most of them in some way. And I got trained in some of them because doing feeding therapy is expensive and your insurance company will only pay for a certain amount of it. So you kind of need to figure it out. Right. Um, and as I was going through them and I was getting training and getting certified in them myself, I was in the same courses as a speech language pathologist. As I was going through that, I was able to help the people in my group and tell them, you know, this is, might be better for you. This might not be better for you um, in terms of the feeding therapy. So you'll have to try all of them because it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. <laughs> it's really yes. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, insurance, it doesn't cover all of it. So, and then the other thing I realized was that um, there are symptoms, there's clusters of symptoms that go along with feeding. Because when you have a young child, when you have a baby who's not feeding, it's not because they want to make their mommy mad. Right. It's they're not, not trying to be difficult on purpose. They're not trying to be difficult. Even though we feel like that sometimes. No. It's like, come on, please, just do this. Yeah. yeah, that's right. But, but initially, they, they don't want to be difficult on purpose. Yeah. So it's, it's, there, there is going to be a behavioral part to it. Of course, there's going to be a behavioral part. There's learned behavior. Something's uncomfortable enough. You develop a behavioral reaction to it. But there's also a medical for it, right? There's a medical reason for why this is going on. And it's our job to help figure that out. Or when we're going to see a specialist to be able to tell that specialist, these are the symptoms that I'm worried about and this is what they may represent. Right. But you don't even know what symptoms to look for because all of a sudden you're just stressed out with your child. And for like, for me, it was my first child. So, So you need to kind of know what symptoms to look for. And a lot of that I figured out through the reading, just reading, 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 and figuring out, oh, oh, this may be a normal symptom here. This may be an abnormal symptom there. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and that helped to kind of guide the medical reason as to why, because if you have a child who has a strong medical reason for not feeding something like something symptomatically Mm -hmm. symptomatic that makes feeding really really uncomfortable then 
it doesn't matter how much therapy you go to. It doesn't matter how many little infant behavioral psychologists you see with your baby, because that thing is not going to go away. It's like, I think I was giving an example earlier of if you break your leg, you can go to see as many therapists you want as you want about that leg. You can talk to as many psychologists you want about that Mm -hmm. leg, about how much it hurts you, but that leg is still broken. And in some cases, the leg will heal on its own. In other cases, the the leg needs more drastic measures. And that's, you know, you have to figure out that that's the reason. Yeah, you have to have the right treatment. Exactly. Yeah. To get the right treatment. Yeah. So um, as I was going through this, one of the concerns that I had was that my child had um, FPIs, food protein induced enterocolitis syndrome. Mm-hmm. That, that on top of some other diagnoses that I was worried about, but I want to touch a little bit based on FPIs because when I was worried that my child had it, the guidelines for it and how it treated hadn't even come out. Right, because when I was in medical school, I did not learn about that. It was like after the fact. Yeah. No. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No. So this is all fairly new stuff. I'd be like, so they misspelled fries. (laughs) (laughs) All the time we're coming up with new diagnoses. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So... So um, uh, let me give you some of the symptoms of FPIs just so yes. the people are aware. Mm-hmm. And then I'll uh, kind of go into how you wind up moving mountains with your child uh, when it comes to, you know, it's this diagnosis and you're like, you think your child has it, but like, what do you do? Right. Yeah. So I'm going to give you three people who, uh, three examples of three different people who may have FPIs in case it's something you need to be worried about in your own child. Okay. So, um, I'll give it to you from uh, some examples in a book I actually wrote about the topic called yeah. the F Pies Handbook because you uh, know I know I, that's that's where where it finally led me to. But the the first one is of a baby named Oliver. Now Oliver, when he was a few months old and was exclusively breastfeeding, vomited so 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 badly that he turned blue. To the point that the pediatricians in the hospital and neonatologists actually transferred him to a higher level hospital mm-hmm. because of the crazy vomiting. And they did all of this workup and couldn't find anything. anything. Yeah. Couldn't find anything. So, so they thought that it may, it may be reflux. Yeah. And get sent uh, the baby, Oliver, and his mom to home with reflux medications but the reflux medications did nothing the 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 vomiting with the turning blue kept happening over and over again it's not until the mom had this idea that she had to eliminate uh, breast uh, eliminate soy and milk Mm. from her diet that the vomiting stopped wow so she did this all on her own she did this on her you see, own. You see how mothers are? We are incredible because we have these instincts that we have to like really listen to when it comes to our Me babies. Too. Yeah. Me too. I, yeah. I think previously you're not you're having a conversation about how people might not believe our instincts. Yes. Or people poo poo our instincts. Yeah. And then you they feel like us. you're going crazy, us. but you're not. It's real. 
You're the no. one that spends the most time no. with your baby. So you know these things about your baby that other people don't understand. And, and it may take them months or years to come to the same conclusion. Yes. And in the meantime, you may feel very, very but alone. All alone. Yeah. Because no one's believing you and yet you're so certain and you're like, this, this, you feel alone because it feels like yeah. you're the only one who's fighting for your child. Yes. Right? Because yes. no one else is believing you. No one's yes. believing those instincts. Yeah. But those instincts are real. Yeah. Um, so, so in Oliver's case, he was placed back on, um, he went on solid foods. And those mm -hmm. solid foods included soy and dairy products. And again, the vomiting happened. Got it all over. And it wasn't until this happened multiple times over and over again that they came up with the diagnosis of F. pies. So F. pies is a condition where you get vomiting about 30 minutes to over six hours after eating a trigger food. Mm -hmm. um, it usually is between one to four hours later uh, uh, after ingestion of the trigger food. And then uh, it usually doesn't come with some of those. Most typical cases of FPIs don't come with some of the like itchy rashes or some of the symptoms that you get with a different type of food allergy, an IgE-mediated type of food allergy. Mm -hmm. This is not IgE-mediated. Mm -hmm. And a lot, a lot of the time, those children also have paleness of the skin or a decreased activity level and they have other other symptoms as well but those, those are the major ones there's like three other criteria out of like nine that they need to fulfill so, mm -hmm. uh, but they often get misdiagnosed they often when the first time these mommy they come up to their go to the emergency department with their babies, his mom, because they're vomiting and vomiting. The thinking is, oh, this is just reflexes, put your reflex medicine. Right. Or the second time it might be, oh, this is a stomach bug. Okay, yeah. well, let's fix that. The third right. time it might be, oh, just a prolonged stomach bug. The yes. fourth time uh, it might be this whole workup, but no one's asking about food. It yes. Could food be triggering a reaction? Right. Uh, where there's lots of vomiting and it, it, i think especially in a baby that young right yeah because like the first thing that, that comes to your mind is reflux it has to be reflux right yeah. um so that's like the natural progression of what you probably would do as a as a practitioner seeing this baby in the practice and you know not even thinking that okay there's just all this other stuff that may be going into it because the usual things that you do are the usual things you do with each patient usually. Um, That's it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for those moms, eventually they either give up and they're like, my baby's vomiting and they feel so scared and alone because nobody is picking up on the reason why and telling them, you know, maybe someone's telling them, uh, uh, especially if there's diarrhea involved, right? They might mm -hmm. be telling them, avoid the milk, avoid the soy products, maybe yeah. try an elimination diet. Yes. Maybe if that doesn't work, maybe try some elemental formula. Right. But there's so many other triggers for FPIs. So mm -hmm. those triggers include things that you would never even think of as food allergies. Like a big one would be rice. There's yeah. so, there's so much rice in in baby like baby foods it's like one of the top things and yet a lot of children are going to vomit with fis not a lot of children in general are going to vomit when they have it mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. 
And so I remember, so just, I'm just going to, I think, stick with that example. I know I was me mentioning two other ones. They're all in my book, the FBI's handbook. I'll link, I'll link to it. It's yeah. like a 200 page book. It's, um, it has some good reviews, even from doctors. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm really happy and excited about your book because it's good to know that there are references that I can actually have parents go to if they're, you know, going through something similar like the similar like this. And that I feel just like you said, like so many times as parents, we're just like we're feeling isolated about certain things because we don't know who else may be suffering with this. And so we sometimes feel like we're the only ones that are going through this. And now what do we do about it? Um, especially when there's no good answers there, you know, that had to be so frustrating for you. And I know, um, myself, you know, as a mom going through things that I've gone through with my own son, I was really frustrated. I was really frustrated being a physician and a mom and not being able to solve the problem myself. That was very frustrating for me. It was also really frustrating for me when people made me feel like I was wrong about what I was feeling about my son because deep down inside I knew that something was not right and you know it even coming from my own mother was really heartbreaking for me because I said man if my even if my mother is doubting me then maybe I am wrong and I started to doubt myself um and I mean the one thing is that I'm very happy that I never gave up. There were times where I was just like, okay, let me let it go for a little bit, but I could never give it up because it was always there. It was in my face. Those are things that you have to pay attention to. Uh, I needed more clarity and I needed better help. And, you know, when I look back on it now, do I wish I would have maybe looked a little harder or done things a little sooner? Uh, yeah, sure. I, I, I do. You know, like I, I would do anything for my son and I just want him to live the best life for him, you know? Uh, and I think as parents, we usually feel like that. We're, we're not trying to be intrusive. <laughs> we're just trying to really do the right thing for our children. I, I oftentimes get sad when I refer people to maybe a specialist and they come back to me and they're disappointed because they weren't able to get the help that they needed. But we have to keep searching, you know, because I don't, sorry, I don't believe that, um, that we should give up just because we didn't get the answer that we needed um, at that time. And so I'm really proud of you for pushing and figuring it out and creating this community for other parents and writing a book about it. I mean, that's like phenomenal. <laughs> that's really amazing. Well, and she, it, it had to be written because I would be on these support groups and they would be sharing information. The parents would be sharing information with each other, but some of the information was not accurate. There was some, didn't make medical sense. And yeah. so you like, as a physician, I felt like I had this extra responsibility, and that responsibility was that, you know, if if I'm dealing with this myself, if I'm dealing with these issues myself, then I need to at least come up with the literature that makes sense, so that both is, so that everyone can agree with each other and refer to the same terms and understand it in the, in the same way, as opposed to 
having misinformation. But it's incredibly lonely, incredibly to to be alone in that. For me, it wasn't just FPIs. FPIs was just a small part of it. There was other parts too. Like, um, I don't think FPIs by itself was the only reason my daughter wouldn't feed. I I don't think that was in in itself. I think that there were other things that were contributing to it as well. um, And over time, I was able to kind of figure those out. again, just through a lot of searching, a lot of literature, a lot of just talking to other parents, because while the doctors are there and they know so much, you are an expert in your child. child. You are the parent, you are the expert, and you know your child at a whole different level, and you just have to trust that intuitive aspect of you that says, well, maybe this is part of the answer, but maybe there's more. Yes, and then 100%. and then figure out what what's that more you know? yeah yeah well i i wanna i'm gonna wrap it up here because we have so much that we need to share i think with parents oh, and i i think we're gonna have a whole bunch of um episodes to do together uh dr Epka also has a podcast so please I tell do. everybody where your podcast is what's the name of it yeah so i'm i'm tackling pediatrics feeding disorders head on from the perspective of both a parent yes. who's dealt with it as well as a mom that's as well as with all my training and all this feeding therapy I did. That's right. But, so I'm tackling it from all the different perspectives on my Feeding Made Easy podcast. And we're not just talking about FPIs because there's so much more to share. I want to create a community, a yes. loving community where people, no one ever has to feel as scared or as alone as I once did. And, and to, to find people like you who are interested in hearing that story and understanding the plights of families who are dealing with these conditions thank yeah. you you're, you're uh, a no thank you <laughs> you're an angel you know how important your work is do you understand how important your work is because it really is like what you're doing is wow i i mean it's revolutionary really because just like you said um in our prior conversation like all of this stuff is in its infancy stages right so this is really shedding light on a huge issue that pediatricians and family practitioners, we see this stuff every single day, right? Every day, but we really um, need better information and we need more people like you. Uh, I, I, I'm really happy that, that this gift was given to you. I'm going to say it in this way, because you were the right person to receive it, to make something and 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 help others with it that's why it was given to you um i really believe that you're a very special it's all about moving those mountains yes it's all about moving those mountains i promised my daughter that if we figured out the feeding because i had no idea i just told her i loved her so so much and i told her that if we figured out her feeding together which we're slowly able to do that we would not only figure out for her but we will figure out for everybody else as well that's right because we're going to be this together and we were going to move those mountains together yes because i just love her just like i love you yeah just like everybody else love does love it's all about love Mm -hmm. and helping Mm -hmm. each other through love yes yes it is 
And please tell everybody about your book and your website. Oh, Gosh, so Dr. Evka, so D O C T O R. Obviously, you know how to spell doctor. <laughs> no, I, I do it too because some people just think it's D R, you know, so you have to explain that it is. Yes. And then Evka, so E B K A. So I'm originally from uh, the Czech Republic, and it's mm -hmm. like a diminutive way of saying Eva, E B A. Uh -huh. You add that K, K to it. So it's E B K A, oh, Dr. Evka. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Thank you so much from the, from the bottom of my heart for, Thank for, you. for listening. Thank you for saying yes to doing the podcast. Thank you for being here and having this great conversation with me. Thank you for being a beautiful, wonderful physician and mom. And you're, I actually, I can't wait to do more of these with you because I really connected with you. Oh, I think you're too. brilliant. I, I love Thank where you're you. coming from. And, um, and I'm just really proud of you. I'm really proud of you because, you know, just like we were talking about before, we both came from very humble backgrounds and, um, you know, immigrant parents. And it's great. Yeah. It's wonderful to be able to contribute to this world the way you're doing it. I love it. And, Thank and, you so much. And same to you. Same to you. And hope to see you soon. The next time I'm having over on my podcast. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay because so, you're you're an incredible mom and the stories that we we had this long conversation before the podcast and the stories <laughs> you shared about your family and how much of a fighter you are and how much you just care it's just it's it's incredible and uh, people all know that just trust me we had this long conversation <laughs> beforehand <and laughs> wow <laughs> but thank you so much i appreciate you as a person i'm really happy that i connected with you um and that we were able to do this so soon like you made yourself available you said yes and you showed up and that's no. that's not something that everybody does so <laughs> thank you so much for doing that no thank you as well yay <laughs> we did it <laughs> yes you. we did yes we did To listen to more podcasts, please visit us at drdavinalopez.com and follow us on Instagram at drdavinalopez. Thank you for listening. Please keep in mind that all advice given in this podcast is general information. To understand your specific situation, you must consult with your pediatrician.